This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. She's so damn hot, guys. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season five, episode 15 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I Was Made to Love You. As well as Gilmore Girls, Jews, and Chinese food. I mean, both were good. Yeah. There's a few similarities, thematically. Yeah, yeah. Not quite as conspiracy theory this week. Right. But we're on to you, Amy. We know what you're doing, Amy. Just not as often. What's new with you, Brian? Uh, I just finished Wild Seed by Octavia Butler, and I liked it a lot. It was a good book. It was a quick read, too. I suggest it. It's fast, and it's good. I think I'm going to read it, because it's, yeah. it's for your book club, and I'm going to that one, because it's in New Jersey. <laughs> the way you said that, it was like, I gotta go, because it's in New Jersey. And I never miss anything in New Jersey. <laughs> I love New Jersey. No, it's at like our friend's home. Yeah. So it's like a whole event because it's further away. They're making a, a party of it. Yeah. And I got mad FOMO. And it's short, so I'll read it. I just don't read very fast. I don't read very often. So it takes me forever to read a book. Do you have anything going on? I do. Um, I've talked about this before, but I do have a show coming up that I've written with my friend Jared about restaurants. And we have a date for it now. It's August 1st at 9.30 p.m. It's a Monday at the Asylum Theater. So if you're in New York, I'd love you to come to the show. If by the time this episode comes out, we have a link, I'll put it in the episode description. Like I said, if you're in the city, I'd love to see you at the show. Brian will be there. Yeah. It's going to be super funny, great cast, and I'll be in it too. We also got a five-star review I hear. Who told you that? Uh, the guy that just lives outside your window, pretty much. <laughs> he keeps having a five-star review. It's kind of scary, honestly. We did, though. It's true. Thank you so much to Mrs. NRB for your kind words. Thank you. Also, one last announcement. We still are offering 15% off our Patreon annual membership through the end of June. So that's just a couple more days after this comes out. Mm -hmm. If you're not following us on Patreon, you should check it out. You should. You get outtakes. You get weekly angel content. You get to see Kurt's butt. <laughs> yeah, Cat really likes to be part of our angel videos, and um, sometimes he takes them over. <laughs> there's okay. one where it opens on his butthole but um <laughs> it opens on his butthole that's an elevator pitch for a show it opens on his butthole <laughs> then we dive deep yeah i think he, he does like to be a part of them yeah we also do monthly watch parties where we watch episodes together and and more thinking about more things we could do in the near future <sighs> sounds boring <laughs> <laughs> But again, it'll always be there. It just won't be as cheap. Through the end of June, 50% off your first year when you sign up for an annual membership. Basically, two months free. And if you already do follow us on Patreon, you can still switch over to an annual membership and save two months on that first year. That's all I've got for announcements, I think. Anything else you have to say for yourself, Mr. Morris? No, I have nothing else to say. I did a show, and it was good. Uh, but then later, some people got COVID, and I don't think we got it, which is nice. But Some people or just the one people? Well, the one person got COVID. Right. We don't know he got it there, but we were. We don't, but he might have had it there. Right next to yeah, him. Yeah, a long time. Anyway, this week we started with Buffy. Stacy, could you tell us all about I Was Made to Love You? 
This episode is about the new girl in town who's a sex bot. Yeah. And she helps Buffy process her feelings about her own relationship. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like what I would say if I was explaining what a sex bot was doing for me in a nice way. <laughs> she helps me with processing my feelings about my relationship. Also, a lot of shit goes down at the very end of this episode. Yeah. But we're not there yet. It's very light up top. So the recap really reminds us of a lot of things. Pretty much everything that's happened all season. It's a very long recap. Everything that's going on with Dawn. Everything that's going on with Spike. Everything that happened with Riley. I was thinking, Riley's for sure in this episode. He's going to show up. But that was not the case. Yeah, it was a lot about him. I think they were just trying to give us an idea of Buffy's romantic situation. Yeah. But really, they should have showed us like Angel and Parker and all that stuff too. (laughs) Yeah. Her rejecting Xander and just all the way back. Scott. Remember Scott? I remember Scott. Miss you, Hope. Buffy's still very perturbed that Spike is in love with her. So during a training session with Giles, she's really taking this out on a punching bag. A.K.A. Xander in a huge Buffy sumo suit? Yeah. It's so funny. It's shot in a way that you think she's punching a dummy for like 30 seconds, which she is. Wah, wah. But then Giles is like, Buffy, maybe you should calm down a bit. And Xander's like, yeah, I agree. (laughs) It's very funny, but like, why does this exist, this suit? Maybe so he can like move around as a target. I don't even know. Maybe Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, the only reason I can think of that there would need to be a person in there is if she wants to practice with someone moving. Yeah. But like, who among them is going to be able to keep up with her movement-wise, especially if they're wearing this? Right. It's super thick. It's like four times as wide as Xander. And, like, he's really hurt even wearing that. Yeah. Doesn't make... They have actual dummies. Why? He wasn't moving. He wanted to help. Giles leaves to go get some ice for Xander. And Buffy and Xander have a little heart-to-heart about Buffy's relationship problems. Buffy just wants to know there's going to be another good guy that comes along. And Xander assures her that there will be. He's very sweet. And then she hugs him for, like, the rest of the scene in his big puffy suit. I almost was like, what's, is this romantic? What is this? What's happening? I feel this way, like the whole episode. It was almost like, what's happening between them? I know. It felt a little weird. He ends the scene by saying that maybe she just hasn't found love in Sunnydale because they're on a hellmouth. Then we see a brand new lady arriving in town. Her driver tells her that maybe she doesn't want to get out here. This town's kind of bad. But she's like, nope, I'm in the right place. I'm looking for true love. Who's this lady? I don't know, but she's very cute. She's cute. She's perky. More ways than one. More on this later. At the Summy Res, Joyce is spinning around in circles, showing off her new dress. She's got a date tonight with Brian, who works in publishing. It's me. You work in publishing? Yeah, and I also date Joyce. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Joyce and Don keep telling her to spin around to show off the dress until she realizes they're just messing with her, trying to see how many times she'll spin. It's kind of mean. It's got like a chunk of her brain missing. And they're like, spin, dizzy mom. Yeah, and I was like, maybe let her rest a bit. Yeah. I mean, it's also sweet, right? That they feel comfortable doing that with their, their mother. Yes, because she's she's getting back out there. She's excited. Yeah. She's worried the dress is too momish, but Buffy assures her it's inappropriately sexy. I think it's somewhere in between. It's definitely not momish. No, but also I didn't find it nice, to be quite honest. There was like no. too much going on with this thing. She looks nice. Sure. Her hair and makeup are nice, but I wouldn't call the dress sexy, but she looks good. Yeah. Too good. Too good. <laughs> They're styling her well. Suspicious. She tells another long, boring work story, and I'm thinking Joyce is getting a lot of screen time. 
Special treatment. This can't be good. Right, I see, yeah. Because I know, I, I know where this is going. I've, okay. I've known, I don't know for sure, but I've had suspicions about things that could happen soon. And I think in this episode, they start to happen. Okay. Joyce is very nervous about the date. She tries to ask Buffy for advice. Buffy's like, no, I've had two boyfriends. They both left town to go fight demons. Don't ask me. Shit, is Riley going to have a spinoff? Yeah, we have to start watching The Riley Show. It's just called Riley? No, it's called The Riley Show. And it's more <laughs> it's of a like comedy a, It's like a variety show. <laughs> yeah, it's a humorous variety show. He does stand-up. It's him in Belize, and <laughs> different demons come on and show their talents. That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> I know. People don't like this show. A lot of people were like, it doesn't exist, Brian. You're making this up. But it's a real show that everyone should love. I kind of want to make that now. <laughs> okay. The Riley Show. Put it on the list of things to make. Anya and Tara are hanging out, I guess. You don't see those two paired together very often, alone. Except that one time in the bathroom at Giles' house when they didn't want to be part of the conversation anymore. Yeah, it's weird because I feel like sometimes the show like pairs people together. They're like, would they just hang out? I guess... Maybe they would. They've saved the world together and shit a bunch of times. Maybe they would even make an effort. I could see Tara even being like, I should try to reach out to Anya and be friends with her. Totally, yeah. Anya is telling Tara about the wonders of the internet. She says the internet was hard for her at first, you know, being 1,100 years old and all. She says she had a hard time adjusting to the idea of Lutherans at first. That was funny. That was funny. Because Lutherans were pretty radical. But it sounds like she really understands the internet now and has had some success with trading and investments. She says she's tripled her money and is thinking about buying an antelope. It's a good investment. <laughs> when she says she tripled her money, though, Tara says, you mean like money, money, money? I only point this out because later Lorelai says coffee, coffee, coffee. Could be something. Probably a connection. We know what you did, Amy. Same word three times. Mm-hmm. This conversation is then interrupted by the girl who got out of the car in the beginning. She very politely informs them that she's looking for Warren. They're like, yeah, we, we don't know Warren, sorry. She's like, no problem, and then proceeds to ask every other person in the park if they know where Warren is. She's, like, aggressively nice. Yeah. Not in an annoying way upon first meeting, but, like, being friends with her would probably be a lot. Yeah, I don't know if we even described this well, because I feel like it's as if someone just walked up to you and you're like, hey, do you know where Eric is? And you're like, do we know each other? Like, er- Eric? And they're like, I'm looking for Eric. And then just went to someone else who was like, do you know where Eric is? Yes. But also when they say no, she's like, okay, well, thank you. It was worth asking. She's just very, I mean, she's a robot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the truth. That's the truth. (laughs) It's her truth. It's our truth. There's a spring break themed party happening tonight in the lobby of that one campus building that sometimes has parties, I guess. There's booze. I feel like this isn't a thing, but it is. They couldn't get the bronze set. They had a party there last week. I, I don't. I guess it's spring. It's spring break. Why would they have a party on campus? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Buffy and Xander are dancing very close. This is yeah. wh- where I'm like, yeah. what? This is happening, right? This is number two now. Yeah. This episode should be called Triangle. Yes. But Anya is telling Willow and Tara that she's done a very good deed by allowing them to do this. And we really don't explore this too much further other than a comment later, sort of. So I guess they're just trying to remind us that they're close friends and things are good after that weird time that Xander cornered her in an alley and yelled at her about Riley for a while. Yeah. The show is so weird sometimes about like Xander and Buffy because like for so often they were like, right, but Xander secretly still loves Buffy, even though he doesn't want to. He still loves Buffy. And then at some point they're like, let's go out of our way to show that they are super close, but they're just friends. Yeah. But I also feel like because of... Anya's comments in this episode were not to believe that they're falling in love, but if we didn't have that, I would be questioning it for sure. No, I agree with you, but that line was in there to tell us. Like, they're just friends, they're super close. Yeah. 
Anya, by the way, is fascinated by the intricacies of Czech cereal. Yeah, because she thinks they're like woven. Yeah. They mentioned Czech cereal in the previous Gilmore Girls. The previous one, though, so we can't count that. Yeah. Amy's numbers are a little off. I mean, she might have watched two in a row, and then she wrote two episodes. Yeah, I, I still suspect something's up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben is at this party. Does he go to school here? If he's almost a doctor, he's got to be like a decent amount older than them. I doubt he'd just be like hanging out at a dorm party. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, Spike hangs out at parties where everyone there is trying to kill him. So I don't know what tells someone to go to a party or not in Sunnydale. But Spike's trying to get free booze. This dude's like a doctor. He's trying to get free boobs. He has boobs, I think. I don't know. (laughs) Just stay home and wait for them to come out. I don't know what his deal is. But sometimes he's a woman. Oh, okay. I still don't understand your bit about Ben and Glory, but that's fine. Let's move on. Let's move on. Buffy pretends to just be casually leaning against a column until Ben notices her. He makes some joke about wearing normal clothes. Earlier in the episode, she had told Xander that she was going to start trying to laugh at guys' jokes. So now she's seeing if that works. And she uh, tries. I wouldn't say it works. Just like laughs like a psychopath at his not funny joke. It's very awkward. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't know if this is a callback or if this was just they did the same joke twice. Because in Reptile Boy, Cordelia says as much to Buffy, and then she does like a very fake laugh, a a guy's like not real joke. Oh, yeah. So it could have been a callback, but I feel like it was just like someone was like, oh, what about this joke? And no one mentioned they had done the joke before. I thought you meant to the previous episode, because it's a running bit that Buffy and Ben make fun of Ben's street clothes. No. She's just so awkward. But honestly, so is Ben. When she asks if he's having a good time, he says that he is now, as if, like, now that she's here, everything's good. But it doesn't seem like he means it. And then when she asks him to dance, he's like, uh, I don't, like, really dance very well. And then he says he will, but he's got to go dump his drink. I'm like, okay, I don't know if he's coming back. Like, either something's up with him or he doesn't like you, Buffy. Who dumps their drink? I, I would be like, or set it down. Yeah. Or dance with it. It felt weird. And he's gone forever. Yeah, I thought he bailed. But while Ben's gone, that new girl arrives, of course, still looking for Warren. Warren is at the party. He promptly grabs his date and bails because he doesn't want this girl to see him. Anya's like, oh, Tara and I met that girl. She speaks with a strange evenness and selects her words a shade too precisely. (laughs) Xander's like, well, some of us kind of like that in a girl. (laughs) Xander also makes it well known that he thinks this girl's hot. He says, somehow I don't think a girl like that's going to be lonely for too long. And Willow's like, definitely not. Hubba, hubba. (laughs) This was funny because Tara looks at Xander with like an raised eyebrow, like, ugh, what a child. And then sees Willow say the same thing, looking at her with the same lusty eyes. Yeah, and Willow tries to be like, oh, I mean, not not for me. I'm just saying a girl, she's pretty. Tara, everything's fine. And then they break up. It's really sad. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. That's a big part of the episode. Spike shows up to do some light nagging. <laughs> Pretty heavy nagging. Mm-hmm. Bubby's not happy to see him. She tells him to get away. He goes a little bit away. Where is Ben, though? Like, Did he go to the hospital to dump out the drink? Yeah, he's probably in the bathroom just like desperately trying to hold his vagina in. Just like, oh, <laughs> don't change now. Gotta dance with Buffy. Don't change, don't change, don't change. I am very curious what the deal is. Like, what prompts them to change? They don't seem to have memories of each other. Uh, undumped drinks. That's what changes Ben <laughs> to glory. So. If I don't dump out my drink quick, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Got to dump my drink. 
I just can't imagine buying a drink and then being like, oh, you want to dance? Let me just go dump my drink out in the bathroom. I'll be right back. I think they were free. Spike said the party was free. Oh, maybe you're right. Well, still. But then who's putting on this party? Set the the drink down. Ben finally comes back with his phone number written on a piece of paper. Is that where he was? He was like looking for a pen of paper, trying to remember his phone number? (laughs) Desperately trying to write his phone number down. Not good with numbers. I'm good with organs. He says he wanted to give her his number before they dance because she might not want it after. But also he'd love to get coffee with her sometime. I just like don't believe him. He feels so... I don't know if he's like just not a good actor or if he is like struggling with but I'm her mortal enemy. It's it's unclear. I feel like there aren't clues. Yeah. What his mindset is. Yeah. I don't know if you know more than I do or if you agree. I don't know his mindset either. Okay. I think he's legitimately interested in Buffy. Okay. And this isn't like some ploy because like Glory wants to know more about Buffy and he's not helping her. Yeah, that's true. But Buffy seems excited that he's giving her his number. And then she just spews out like, just so you know, I'm terrible with men. They all leave town. (laughs) If you want your own show, I'd be great for you. (laughs) But Ben's like, no, baby, none of that's a red flag for me. No, I'd love to be in my own show. It'd be called (laughs) Am Ben Lintz, and it would be about me saving lives as an intern. Wow, you've thought a lot about this. Want to dance? Have you not seen Am Ben Lintz? It's a really cool show. Spike, though, is watching all of this. He gets jelly and goes to flirt with the new girl. We should say she's legitimately, like, very attractive. I mean, the show kind of goes out of its way to mention that, but I feel like she is very pretty. Yes. And she's kind of, like, doll-like, I guess. Like, kind of a... She's... I mean, I'm just trying to be real. She's proportioned well. Like, she's... Yes. A well-proportioned, pretty lady. But she also has, like, a very sweet, like, round face. Yes. Like... Not like a harsh angles supermodel face. Like she's very approachable as well. And there's some more interesting stuff about her that we'll talk about later. Well, I mean, we can say it now. Britney Spears. Right. So originally the rumor is that Britney Spears wanted to be on the show and this episode was going to be about Britney Spears. So she was going to be this shapely, beautiful sex robot. Oh, I didn't know Britney wanted to be on the show. I thought they were just trying to get Britney. No, apparently she was supposed to be wanted to be on the show and then she like pulled out. And they had this episode written already. Now, that's the rumor. I couldn't, I'm not a writer. I don't know. I think it would have been distracting. I I mean, they already have set a precedent of having like famous people do guest stars as robots. So. One time. It's the precedent. She's a lot more famous than him. She was like the most famous person at the time. Sure. Brian's talking about John Ritter. John Ritter wasn't nobody though. Yeah, I know. But I feel like at the time when the show was on, he wasn't as popular as she was. I mean, I agree. 2001. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like peak Britney. But we now learn this girl's name. She tells Spike her name is April and that she's looking for her fella. Spike's like, well, I think you just found him and whispers something dirty in her ear. She doesn't like this, though. She quite easily hoists him into the air by the collar and throws him out the window. He's like, how how did you do that? She's like, you can't say those things to me. You are not my boyfriend. Warren is my boyfriend. No one but Warren can touch me. He's like, well, my sympathies to Warren and leaves. That's pretty funny, Spike. That's pretty funny. Good job, Spike. That was good. You're evil, but that was a good comeback. He's funny. He's a funny evil boy. Yeah. Still evil, though. Buffy's like, hey, how about we, like, talk instead of looking for Warren? April's like, no, I'm going to throw you into a wall. She didn't say that. She just did it. But then after she throws her, she's like, if I hurt you just now, I am sorry. And I hope your boyfriend will take good care of you. (laughs) Buffy's like, but I I don't have a boyfriend. Somewhere in Belize, Riley just like felt like someone walked over his grave. (laughs) 
<laughs> I need to take care of it. I really do wish we got cutaways to just 10 seconds of Riley and Belize occasionally. Just murdering demons or having margaritas. I don't know. Yeah, they're having a good time. It's a talent show. After the party, they all agree this girl's probably a robot and Warren must be the guy that built her. Buffy asks Willow if she can find Warren by first name only, and Willow says it'll take a bit, but yes. That seems insane. Yeah. Like, they don't know that Warren's in Sunnydale. This woman might be walking around the entire world, stopping in every city looking for Warren. I mean, I I agree with you, but also, like, they must assume he's in Sunnydale, right? Because that's where she's looking for him. Yeah. I mean, it's a good place to start, and there can't be too many Warrens. But what is Willow using? I don't know. The power of mind. The internet. They all agree this situation isn't really that big of a deal, so they're going to start figuring out in the morning. Meanwhile, Buffy's got to go home and relieve Giles, who's been babysitting Dawn while Joyce is out on her date. Real quick, I really wish there was a scene where April like went to a phone booth and found a phone book and like found all the warns in the phone book. It's like a scene from Terminator. That would have been pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Brittany would have done it. Yeah. Giles is very over babysitting Dawn. She made him listen to aggressively cheerful music sung by people chosen for their ability to dance, he says. I thought this was so funny. And they ate cookie dough and talked about boys. <laughs> I really just like it because right before the scene, Buffy's like, I got to get home and I got to relieve Giles. There's only so much he could take. And it's played like it's a joke, like she's being sarcastic. And then you cut to Giles and he's like, Buffy, there's only so much I could take. Yeah. <laughs> so seriously. Buffy starts telling Giles about the robot when Joyce bounces in looking all boned. Jesus Christ, girl. Looking all boned? Well, she does. <laughs> okay, so she comes in looking all boned. Giles is even more uncomfortable now because he's been there. Yeah, inside of Joyce. <laughs> so it's like, I know what she's looking like. Don't listen to this one with your kids, everyone. Unless you're trying to explain, you know, where they came from. <laughs> yeah, we really put the warning in the wrong place, too. Joyce had a great time. She jokes to Buffy that she left her bra in the dude's car. I don't think they did actually have sex because Buffy's like, I don't see him. Did you even kiss goodnight? Maybe. Maybe they boned in the car. I don't know. Yeah. Do we ever find out if they boned? The whole next episode is called The Body. It's just him recounting how bad a lover Joyce is. <laughs> it's just Brian sitting at a bar telling everyone about Joyce's body. She's so damn hot, guys. You should have seen her dress. She twirled for hours for me. Did he kill her? Is he evil? I don't know. I don't remember. Surely it wasn't anyone we know. Meanwhile, April is going door to door in the middle of the night looking for Warren. It's it so, so sad. sad. Yeah. Some dude yells at her know. and slams a door in her face. And she just like politely says goodbye and goes to the next house. Poor thing. It's so sad. She just wants to find Warren. I know. That's all she knows how to do. She doesn't know what 3 a.m. is, which is maybe a design flaw. Yeah. You should program 3 a.m. into her. They're working on this problem the next day at the magic shop. Giles is like, are you sure she was a robot? And Tara very uncharacteristically says, she practically had genuine molded plastic stamped on her ass. Everyone's like, whoa, Tara, what the hell was that? She just says she was trying a little spicy talk. That was so funny. She's like, I was just trying some spicy talk. <laughs> just figuring out my character, you know, seeing how far we can push things. Mm, it was funny. Trying to get some zingers in. Pew, pew. I feel like they probably wrote that line and they're like, who should say this? We weird if we give it to Tara, right? Then we have to justify why Tara would say it, because she wouldn't say it, but that'd be fun. The actress probably said it, and then she had to justify it. <laughs> Giles briefly pretends he's got a ton of books on robots to read through, because he says he likes to see Xander squirm. I thought that was funny. I thought Xander's response was funny. He just kind of laughed like a dope, didn't he? Yeah, and he, but he was, like, charming and funny. <laughs> 
Willow has found Warren on her computer the second Warren she Googled. She's probably just early Facebook adapter and was like, yeah, I'm just friends with this guy. Uh, he went to our high school. Yeah, they went to high school with him for a semester, and Willow finds his parents' address. Buffy's going to head over there. Giles is like, no, no, you can't go alone. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. And everyone kind of giggles, like, come on, Giles. She's not scary. She's for sex. She's a sex bot. This guy made her to have sex with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Xander again reminds us how hot this girl is and lets all the women at the table know how great it would be to have a sex bot. They don't respond as he would have liked them to. He's like, I miss Oz. He'd get it. He wouldn't say anything, but he'd get it. Yeah, that's funny, too. This is a pretty funny episode. It's a funny scene. Anya wonders why anyone would make something like this when they could just have a real person. And then all the people who are in relationships just keep piling on the comments in front of Buffy about how some people just have a really hard time finding someone. And some people are just sad and lonely their whole lives and will never find someone. Yeah, some people are the chosen one, chosen to be alone. (laughs) It's just like three or four comments that are just like, and Buffy's alone. Remember, everyone? (laughs) I like this episode because as goofy as the sex bot stuff is, it like very cleverly shows us how Buffy is feeling about her relationship status. Yeah. Maybe not subtly, but cleverly. But this scene just like really felt like they were piling all this on. (laughs) Yeah. It's not supposed to be funny, but it it really felt like if they did one more, it would have been funny. Yeah. So sad, sad Buffy decides she's going to give Ben a call. Ben is in the middle of finishing being glory. <laughs> you just had such a weird pause after finishing. Like, you just jerked well, off. Well, I mean, like, it... The, uh, it uh, oh, hey, Buffy. <laughs> it, he, he, it did seem like that's what he was in the middle of. Just dump him a drink. Uh, I'm good <laughs> to go. What's up? He calls, and it's glory doing... Sex sounds, really. Like, I think we're meant to think that. It was Glory. Right. And now it's Ben. Ben answers the phone. Yeah. This is also very funny because Buffy has this whole conversation with him, and we saw that he was just Glory. Yeah, yeah. She looked naked. You could see the very top of her dress. I'm not sure if that was a mistake or just, like, a cropping issue on the version we watch. You only see it for, like, a second, but you do see that she's dressed. I think we're to believe she's naked during this call. But at the very end, we get a wide shot of Ben in Glory's red dress. Yeah, it's funny. Just very funny because you kind of like forgot he's in was dress. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they set up a date to get coffee tomorrow night. Warren is at his parents' house packing up his stuff. His girlfriend, Katrina, is like, what's going on? Why are we leaving? They're about to go when they see Buffy standing at the door. Warren keeps shushing his girlfriend. He's like, shut up. I know there's a girl following me, and now there's another girl on a doorstep, but it's not what it looks like. Now be quiet. Let me talk to this girl. Warren is such a piece of shit from, like, moment one. Like, such a pile of garbage. He's just like, shut up to his girlfriend. But he loves her a lot, apparently. I guess. As much as, like, a narcissist can love someone. Katrina's like, we're done. She leaves. Buffy's like, hi, I'm Buffy. Do you know who I am? He's like, yeah, everyone knows you. Also, there's something you need to know about April. It's important. You can't possibly know what I'm about to tell you. But he's like, no, I I think I figured it out. He's like, no, it's going to blow your mind. She's a robot. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny because you knew he was either going to say robot or they were just wrong. Right. You could have gone either way. But then it had to have been pretty crazy. I was pretty sure they were going to say robot. But it was was pretty funny to be like, not shocked. (laughs) Yeah. The gang's telling Dawn about the robot. She's like, oh, is it Ted? I always said there could be more of him. Funny that she remembers Ted. Yeah. It's also, I liked that line a lot. One, because it was acknowledging this has happened before. Mm-hmm. And two, acknowledging that Dawn has an alternative history inside of her head. 
of fake memories. Yeah. That include all the episodes we saw. I liked that. It was just a fun little nod. They're all on their way out of the magic shop, but then a fiery spike is on his way in. He comes in in a cloak that's caught fire. I thought if he was wearing the cloak, he was fine. Maybe he has a hole or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that the rules of sunlight really are consistent. They are not. Especially on Angel, where he's just a sun boy. He's just like sun coming in every window. Giles tells Spike that he is not welcome here. Well, it's like, yeah, and we're working on a way to de-invite you, too, even though it's a public space. No one's happy to see him. Everyone's weirded out that he's in love with Buffy. He tries to explain himself. Even Dawn lets him know they're not besties anymore. But then Giles goes all ripper on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He pushes him up against a bookshelf. He says, we are not your friends. We are not your way to Buffy. There is no way to Buffy. And then he hands him his cloak and says, get out of here. And whatever this thing is, get over it and move on. He means it. Yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome when Giles gets real. When he gets all I daddy. Know. You see, when he gets all daddy? Yeah. He's a mean daddy. He's a maddie. <laughs> okay. Let's just stick with Ripper. <laughs> yeah, it was between Ripper and Maddie, and they went with they Ripper. Went Ripper. Spike doesn't know what to say, so he just, he doesn't. He just takes his cloak and leaves. Yeah. Poor Spike. Poor, innocent, evil murderer. He just wanted to hang out. Nah. But also, this was cool. This was a really cool Giles moment. It's like when he yelled at um Snyder. But when he yelled at Snyder, he had like a little smile. And this, he's like, my eyes are hurting you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. April's still looking for Warren. She goes to a coffee shop where some not-so-nice boys fuck with her and send her off in some random direction. But she mentions that she's getting tired. Buffy's giving Warren all kinds of shit for having a sex bot. Warren's like, she's more than just a toy. She's a girlfriend. I thought I'd be in love with her because she's perfect. But she's, like, too predictable, so I got bored. And then he met his real girlfriend. Turns out he liked the real deal better. So he kind of just left April in his dorm room that he moved out of? I guess because it's spring break? Yeah, I guess. Was he going to deal with it when he got back? Whatever. He thought her batteries would die, I guess, and that it wouldn't be a problem, but her batteries have not died. He says she must be recharging herself somehow. We never figure out why. Yeah, it seems like a dropped offer. Like, how is she doing it? I bet it's sinister. That's, like, how we can make her a villain a bit, you know? Yeah. It really felt like a mistake to not say why. Like, either just... He thought they'd be dead by the time she got back and she got out, or we have to know why they're charging. Yeah. Yeah, it's unclear. I, it's, it seems like a dropped offer, a missing scene or something. But, dude, at least turn her off. Or at most, break her into a million pieces if you're done with her. Yeah. Or, really, what you should do is contact the patent office. You're a trillionaire, dude. Yeah, dude. You made a very realistic, functioning sex doll. Yeah, I'm just kind of like, just make more of these. You're set for life, man. I mean, I don't need one, but, like, other people would buy one. Yeah, other people. Yeah. I mean, can it look like Britney Spears? Maybe. Seems like it. If you give them pictures. Anyway. And you could maybe program it to, like, be chill with me. Yeah. (laughs) Buffy's more annoyed that he didn't properly break up with her. And he just left her like a real Riley. Buffy wants to know if she's dangerous. And he says, well, she's only programmed to be in love. Which is not true. We find out later. But based on just the fact that she's programmed to love, Buffy says that she is dangerous. Because Buffy's dangerous. Because she is programmed to love. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. but Well, Angel's programmed to love, and he's dangerous. And Spike's programmed to love, and he's dangerous. And Riley's programmed to love, and he's his little puppy dog. He ain't dangerous. No. He's a danger to himself. So yeah, he's dangerous. They assume she can't be far, and she's not. She's run into Katrina at a playground. 
Katrina tries to tell April that Warren is her boyfriend. And April's all like, does not compute. Cannot be true. Warren is my boyfriend. It starts to like break Katrina's ribs till she stops lying. Warren and Buffy have found them. April's got Katrina hoisted by the neck. She's unconscious, but she's not dead. Poor April just doesn't understand where Warren's been. What she did wrong. She's been waiting for him a long time. She made him five sweaters. Warren's like, yeah, cool. Maybe go back and hang out with the sweaters. Buffy's like, dude, tell her what's up. As he starts to tell her the truth, we see her computer brain perspective and get some insight on her programming. This was cool. Yeah. I love jokes in text. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen BoJack, but there's a ton of jokes just like written in things. Like there'll be signs that have stuff. I love when shows do that. Yeah. The show doesn't do that. So this was fun. Yeah. Like a lot of the programming is sex related. Yes. She's got all kinds of directive files like make Warren happy, locate Warren, protect Warren, but also stuff like listen sympathetically, kissing one, kissing two. (laughs) Position one, position two. So many position folders. (laughs) Praise, neck rubs, fetish one through three. But then when he breaks up with her, some of her darker files activate. Not sure why he gave her these options, but he becomes unknown objects to her. And we see files like start fight, kung fu, judo, karate, take a bullet and destroy obstacle. She growls at him. Buffy's like, you made her. So she growls. (laughs) April throws Buffy. Then she karate chops a seesaw in half, which Buffy somehow gets and uses like to chop April open a little bit. Katrina's awake by this point. She's like, what? There's a robot. Warren's like, she wasn't just for sex. (laughs) Those two run off to fight. Buffy and the robot are still fighting, but this ain't Buffy's first robot. Well, actually, probably April would have killed her, but her batteries start to die just in time. So as April dies, her and Buffy have a sweet little chat about love on the swings. Buffy asks her if she can cry, and she says that crying is blackmail. Good girlfriends don't cry. (laughs) That was so fucking funny. (laughs) Another very much insight into Warren. Yeah, Crying is blackmail. Oh, my God. But this is so sweet. Buffy knows April's dying, so she's kind of just telling her what she wants to hear. Yeah. But what April's saying is also kind of how Buffy feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I did everything right. I was a good girlfriend. If I can't love him, what am I for? She's convinced he's going to come back for her. So Buffy tells her what Buffy wants to hear, I think, which is like how he's going to come back and tell her how sorry he was, how impressed he was with her. How he didn't mean to hurt her. And then April says, when things are sad, you just have to be patient. And as she's shutting down, she starts listing a whole string of cliches about being patient. And the last one is, it's always darkest before, and then she dies and doesn't say the dawn. What does that mean? I don't know. Because dawn is a character in the show. What? Since when? I don't know. Unclear. Depends who you ask. (laughs) And the camera pans up to a bird's eye view of Buffy and this dead robot girl on the swings. My question is, what happens next? Does Buffy leave the sex bot here for some horny teenage boys to find, or does she drag a dead woman's body off a playground in broad daylight? That's a good question. We don't get to see that moment. Later, Xander is fixing the window that Spike got thrown through. The lighting in this scene is very off. I'm not sure if it was a mistake, or if they were, like, trying to fix a mistake. It's got, like, a yellow or green filter over it. Yeah. Buffy is reflecting about the robot and romance and realizes maybe she shouldn't be obsessing about being with someone. Maybe she should just focus on herself right now. So she goes to call Ben to let him know she's changed her mind about going on a date. But Ben's not home right now. Glory's in the body at this time. 
Buffy just leaves a message, and Gloria obviously hears, and she takes this to mean that Ben must be planning something against her if he's going on a date with the Slayer, but also seems a little sad that Buffy turned them down. Yeah. I don't know if that was supposed to be a joke or if it's like setting something up. It felt like a joke. We'll see. Man, a lot happens in the last two minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Warren is on the phone with an angry Katrina. Doesn't seem like she's forgiven him. She's being such a bee about this. It's like, get over. He made a sex spot and tried to kill it. Like, whatever, dude. He loves you. Yeah, whatever. Just shut up. Jeez. <laughs> I hate him so much. He's so bad. But then Spike shows up. Earlier, we saw Spike angrily dismantling his Buffy shrine, seemingly because he was done with Buffy. But now it appears he was packing up some inspiration for Warren to build him a Buffy bot. So uh, we'll see where that goes. I have an idea where it's going to go. Yeah. Buffy goes home, where she's greeted by a big bouquet of flowers to Joyce from Brian. Her date, not my Brian, but maybe it's the same person. It was me. Back then I sent her some flowers. (laughs) Buffy calls for Joyce, but Joyce doesn't answer because she's dead? Asleep? It's not confirmed, but she's not moving and her eyes are open. And Buffy seems worried. Ends with a close-up of Buffy just saying mom to no response. Well, she didn't just say mom. She said like mom, mom, mommy. Yeah, mommy, yeah. I I felt. Yeah? I wouldn't say I felt, I didn't like cry. I didn't feel sad, but I got gooseies. Yeah. It was just such a, such a silly episode. And then just a. Mm -hmm. So to find out that way that Buffy's mom's a robot who ran out of juice. Yeah. That is just too heartbreaking, I feel like. They made her twirl too many times. <laughs> that was just ate up the last of her reserves. Okay. Well, Brian, do you think this is a good episode? I do. I think it's a good episode. I think it's funny. It's silly. But, like, I feel like the Monster of the Week was a great way of, like, let's explore the emotions of our characters. And that's just backdrop stuff. And then it had a big, hard ending. I know we made a joke. And I feel like some people might be like, you made a joke about Joyce being dead. But, like, that's how I deal with tragedy. I don't know she's dead. Well, I think that show suggests she's dead. I don't know that she's dead either. Maybe she's fine. She didn't look alive, but I'm 95% sure she's dead. Uh I don't know why, though. Yeah, we'll find out. It could be Glory. Maybe Glory's mad that Buffy said no to the date. It seems obvious that it's Glory, but it also would make most sense that it's Glory. Yeah. Is it Brian? We'll find out. Yeah, I did think it was a good episode. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I thought it was going to be dumb. I was like, okay, it's a sex bot. That seems... We've done Robot. We've done Hot Girl Comes to Town. Is that Mummy Girl? Yeah. Okay. That was the name of that episode. <laughs> Hot Girl Comes to Town. But it was it was cool the way that she embodied Buffy's emotions. Yeah. Like someone pointed out that they really weren't too concerned. Like they were saying it wasn't a red alert. And she she could hurt you. She, she almost killed that girlfriend. Yeah, but I mean, 99% of the time, she's not going to be in a situation where she's going to try to kill someone. She almost killed Buffy. Really. I don't know how Buffy would have gotten out of that. When she threw her against the wall? No, and she was like choking her until her batteries ran. Right, when Warren like turned her down and Buffy got in the way, but that's like a very specific set of circumstances that were unlikely. Right, to like maybe Buffy could have been actually like, Warren told me he loves you. Yeah. <laughs> and she might have put her down. Simple creature, but really the monster threat wasn't too high. Right. But I, I liked the way that it was a monster of the week, but it still dealt with the plot stuff. And it was also fun because like, yes, it was like, old hat as far as there's a robot we've seen that before it's a sex bot that's silly but they all like figure it out right away so we don't have to have this big like what's really going on we are like we know what's going on like everyone's like yeah sex bot we got it there's no scene of giles looking up sex bot in a book yeah like well sex bots are allergic to water and (laughs) they date back to the 1800s 
you know, we didn't have those scenes. Right. It was just Willow Googling. And we had some really good interactions with people. Like, I really liked Giles and Spike. That was such a cool scene. That was really good. And it ends really well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if well is the word, but it ends on a whoa. Like, multiple cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to get a Buffy sex bot, and Joyce is maybe dead. Yeah, so that was good. Also, um, I've been sitting on this theory for a long time. I've been wanting to talk about it, but I couldn't until this episode. Okay. So you remember in the Halloween episode, I was talking about how it might be interesting or there's some people who believe that there's some people that got into costumes and they were affected by them, but we didn't see it. Specifically, Warren is what I'm thinking. Warren is just some dude, right? Doesn't seem that impressive, but he built a completely indistinguishable from the real thing sex doll with like artificial intelligence, the ability to fight, like something crazy. The initiative couldn't even have made this. He's just a nobody. He went to school with Buffy. I like to think in my head canon that he dressed up as a mad scientist for Halloween and became one and still has those thoughts and memories and abilities from when he did that. That would justify him being able to make this sex doll. There's a ton of people at that school that like build crazy things and make crazy potions though. Now, I agree with you on that, but I want to say that a lot of those previous ones, Ted excluded, were like maybe like magic adjacent, like Alchemy, the potions that the guy made in the Dr. Jekyll Hyde episode, the Mas Macho, I don't know what the actual episode's called. That was like potions. He maybe read about some potions and shit. Like, you don't know. We get like a two-second explanation of what happened at the very end of that episode. This is the only like super science-y one that is like beyond thought. Like, Adam was made by a woman whose whole life was dedicated to science who was backed by the funding of the military. So like, that's not crazy. And there was the guy who brought his, like, brother back from the dead. But, like, maybe that also was somehow related to magic. Because that was bringing a dead person back to life, which we've seen multiple magical explanations for that in the show. I feel like you tried to justify the Dr. Jekyll one to me as just hellmouth energy makes people do crazy shit. Yeah. And that's actually kind of what the writers have said, is that, well, hellmouth energy can make anything happen. But, like, for this, I like the costume idea. It justifies it perfectly. I hear you. I feel like that's that's fine and could be. But I think specifically because Xander brings up the fact that they're on a Hellmouth right as this woman shows up, that they want us to somehow connect it that way. Yeah, I, I, I agree that that's what the writers wanted to do. But it, I feel like that's just lazy when you have an explanation in the back. Yeah. Which still allows magic and the Hellmouth to have made this happen, but in a way that logically makes sense. It'd be cool if they played with that more. The Halloween thing. There's also more I want to say that I can't. That, that's all. That's it. Okay, well, maybe you could say it another time. No, never. Well, should we move on? We should. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, please tell us what happened on Charmed. Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 5, Episode 15, The Day the Magic Died, Phoebe, Paige, and Leo realize that all the magic has stopped, and it has been foretold in the prophecy of the twice-blessed child, whom up until the time of his birth, magic will lay dormant. Right, so there was a child who's going to get blessed two times, but once that second blessing hits, no magic till he gets born. Well, I'm guessing the child is Piper's baby, who used to be Phoebe's baby. Yeah, 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 who was only one time blessed until this episode. Yeah, it was weird because, I mean, they were just sitting around having breakfast, you know, oatmeal and eggs. Yeah. They're normal breakfast. Yeah, they yeah, make yeah. oatmeal, they put eggs on top of it. Mm-hmm. 
It's a normal thing. I do it. Piper sneezed. Paige said, bless you. That baby got blessed. Then, boom, magic stopped. She was like, wait, this food is disgusting. Oh, was it a spell the reason I like this? And they're like, yeah, 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 this is gross food. And, I mean, not much happens. This is sort of like just a daily episode. They just, just went around the house. They drove a car instead of teleporting. It was kind of crazy. But, I mean, they're a little stressed out because they're like, what about our power? And they do spend a decent chunk of the episode trying to figure out why there is no magic. Yeah, totally. And Paige keeps sneezing. She's like, yeah, we already blessed you. I blessed you like two times. And then that's when it hits them. Like, oh, my twice blessed child. Well, Piper was the one that sneezed. A lot of people were seizing in this episode. At some point, it's like, calm down, guys. Maybe there's some pepper that leaked out. It's weird, too, because after the sneeze, Piper goes to work. Yeah. She doesn't even notice anything's weird till later. Right. She barely uses her magic because she's not good at it. So she's just like at work, you know, working her pregnant ass off. She comes back and she's like, my magic worked exactly the same today as it does every day. And they're like, well, that's because you suck at it. Magic's bad. It's not working right now. So then they spend the rest of the episode like looking up ways to get Piper to go into labor soon. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's coming up. She's showing. So they like, have some spicy food. And then they were like, Leo, any chance you guys want to have sex? And Leo's like, nah, the magic's gone between us right now. <laughs> But I mean, I guess it's cool to know that their child's the prophecy child. Yeah. They, they didn't know that until they did a little bit of reading. They suspected. A lot of shit's going on with their baby. But yeah, they didn't know. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it, it was a contender. I'm guessing the baby will be born by the end of the season? Let's hope so. I want some magic back in my charmed. Yeah, what, it, what is this show now? I guess there was so much magic the previous weeks. We had voodoo, we had nightmare demons or something. Yeah, so they're like checking out the internet. They're just like, wow, TV's interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're learning there's there's magic all around us. But, I mean, they want their powers back, and so do we. Yeah. The show doesn't have the writing to sustain itself without the magic part of it. And it kind of ends on, like, will they get their powers back or no? And we'll find out next week. But when it says find out next week on Charmed, it doesn't say on Charmed. They're like, find out next week on just the regular girls hanging out. Yeah. Because they're not Charmed right now. No, they are not. This has been Meanwhile on Charmed. Then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, could you tell everyone about Jews and Chinese food? So this episode is really like two storylines. It's about Rory and her relationship with Marty. And also it's about Lorelai and Luke having feelings about each other from afar during a play. Yeah, that sums it up. The episode opens with Lorelai stopping by Rory's dorm. Doyle is there uh, when she opens the door and she's like, oh, do I have the wrong room? And he says, I wouldn't know. I thought that was really <laughs> funny. Like, maybe, I don't know. I also love when she's walking through campus, she walks by, like, a couple kissing and, like, winces. Yeah, love. Ugh. She's still super single. Just She's just like Buffy. Yeah. Very offended by relationships. It's also silly that she's like, do I have the wrong dorm? Where it's like, you definitely know that's your daughter's dorm. You've been there multiple times. Have we seen her at this dorm? You know what? You know what? I'm sorry. You might be right. I guess that was the last one I'm thinking of. I think we can maybe assume she has been. But you're but right. It's possible she hasn't. Rory visits her a lot. Rory moved in alone. Yeah. Paris walks in the room, and then she's like, oh, yeah, this is Doyle, my lover. And he's like, well, I don't know that we have a label on that. And that becomes like a running bit to the episode about what their status is or what their labels are for each other. Yeah, but the sex aspect is very clear. Yes, they have sex about three times a week. But what does that mean? Who knows? I feel like Paris really wants a label on this. And maybe Doyle doesn't care. I don't know. I love them. You love them, you said? Yeah. I feel like they have really fun chemistry. I don't know how I feel about them yet. Doyle's a much different character than Jonathan. Yes. He's way more confident uh, and probably smarter. Paris mentions they're having sex, but then she feels bad for mentioning it because she knows about Luke. The girls are getting ready to go to have a Friday night dinner without the grandparents. Took me a minute to realize why. I thought maybe 
I, I know that Lorelai doesn't have to go, but Rory should. But then I, it occurs to me that they're probably like on a honeymoon from their vows. I am 90% sure that's where they are. Yeah. I think the next episode addresses that, but they don't say. And it's very confusing. Yeah. They never said they were going on a honeymoon, I don't think. But they make a point of saying they're not having Friday night dinner with their parents slash grandparents. So yeah. it, it's weird. And as they're leaving, Paris is like, Lorelai, you can talk to me if you want to talk about your feelings. And it seems like maybe it's sweet, but it's because she's got a paper on how women of a certain age deal with loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> also, we have to talk about something else in this scene. We do. Yeah. Doyle is eating a bag of chips. Let me just start by saying that sentence. He's eating a bag of chips and he says, Rory, are these your chips while he's eating them? Can I have some? First off, he's already eating them. Second off, it says Rory written on the side in giant marker, which is insane for like chips. But third off, and most importantly off, this bag of chips is enormous. It is so fucking big. It's, Doyle could wear this as a shirt. I'm not even kidding. Doyle's a small man, but it's a big bag of chips. It is a comically, cartoonishly large. I don't think they make them this big. It's it's clearly off the prop printing press, too. Yeah. It like, doesn't look crinkled <laughs> looks at all. ironed out. It's such a fresh foil bag of chips yeah it says super size but this is like no this is super duper size this is what are they called it had a funny name it's like a sleeping bag doyle can use the brand is just snapping <laughs> it's a very funny visual gag so lorelei and rory go get dinner at the yale cafeteria rory wants to know how lorelei is doing post breakup i actually thought that was nice i like when rory's being very like caring about her mother and like seems like very much like she wants the best for her mother Rory also reveals that Christopher just emailed her to give his side of the story of what happened at the wedding. This has been a while at this point since the events, and he just now emailed her. And he's all like, this is just a misunderstanding. He really likes Luke, and he was just there to celebrate Emily and Richard's vow renewal, which is uh, just a lie. I mean, he might as well just have said the truth. He was there to win Lorelai back because Emily told him to, and he's a little bitch. Yeah, I feel like some of what... She said is maybe a misunderstanding. I don't think he was just there purely for the wedding. No. But I do think, I feel a little bad for him. Because he would have never thought to do this on his own. He was like totally manipulated by Emily. You're absolutely right. I just mean, I feel like it's disingenuous for him to say to his daughter, like, I had no intentions of this. Yeah, totally. It's like, you did. And it's, it's fine. But I do think his email is throwing Emily under the bus a little bit. Yeah, which, I mean. Which they didn't necessarily know the full story of. Right. Uh, I mean, Lorelai did, I think. But put her under that bus. Yeah, she needs to be under that bus, dude. A house should fall on her, and then her little, like, striped legs should just curl up because she's a witch. Rory also notably asks if she thinks Grandpa was part of the planning of this wedding sabotage. That's true. And Lorelai says no. She doesn't think so. Later, the two girls get ice cream, and they see a Marty. Lorelai's like, oh, it's your naked friend. She's like, well, he's not my naked friend, but yeah, he's my friend. But then when Rory calls him over, he just like turns around and bails. And she's like, huh, weird. Lorelai's like, are you fighting? She's like, no, 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 weird. So Lorelai's routine now is she goes to Weston's Bakery to get coffee in the morning. Obviously, she can't go to Luke's because obviously Luke's there. And the lady behind the counter at Weston's is just having none of Lorelai's silly bits at all. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Yeah. Uh, Lorelai said, coffee, coffee, coffee. And so the woman brought her three coffees. And then Lorelai's just like so quickly trying to explain with so many words per minute, like what she actually meant and how she's funny and quirky. And this woman's just looking at her just like dead behind the eyes. Just like does not care what Lorelai has to say. I kind of loved it. I was like, Lorelai, you might as well give her a horoscope because that's where you're at right now. I love that Lorelai was like trying to introduce herself to everyone at the coffee shop too. Yeah. <laughs> Just like uh, April. Yeah. She's just like, have you seen Luke's boat? Where's <laughs> Luke's boat? 
Perky girl in a coffee shop. Yeah. When she leaves, I just spoiled this, Lorelai notices Luke's boat is outside his diner, meaning it's not in her garage. Luke at his diner doesn't want to talk about the boat, even though customers are asking about it. He is in a super grumpy mood. He's just like snapping at everyone. We all know Luke. He doesn't handle his emotions very well at all, honestly. Then this little asthmatic kid, Bradley, comes in with Lulu, sort of ushering him in. And this little poor kid is doing his best to try to remind Luke that he's scheduled to help with the set design for the school's production of Fiddler on the Roof tomorrow. Lulu kind of does all the talking for him. This little kid, like, stands there and, like, gets scared and tries to take, like, a puff of his uh, asthma medication. Luke is, like, super angry and short with his kid. He's like, what's wrong with the kid? And Lulu's like, he's always like this when he's terrified. And Luke just like screaming at him. He's like, well, what the hell is he terrified of? And it's like, you, you 500 <laughs> fucking pound gorilla man. Like, that's what he's scared of. He's super mad until Lulu mentions that Lorelai signed Luke up a few weeks ago to help design the sets. And Lorelai's going to come help design the costumes. Luke realizes he forgot, also realizes that Lorelai's going to be there. And he calms down quite a bit. I wonder if she told him. That's a good question. She might have. He's got a lot going on. It's easy to see how this would slip his mind. Yeah, it could be either. Yeah. Maybe she signed him up and then just never told him. Because it's maybe been a week or two since they broke up. Yeah. Yeah, it's been two weeks. So maybe she signed him up like right before they broke up and never told him. So he's sort of like, yeah, I'll go there. And he, I think it's he's, he kind of wants to know if Lorelai is going to be there. He's like, well, are other people going to be there? And they're like, yeah, other people are going to be there. Lorelai will be there. And he's like, sure. And she's like, I know it might be awkward if she's there, so you don't have to come. He's like, no, 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 I'll go. It's clear he wants to see Lorelai. Like, definitely yeah. wants to go. Meanwhile, Lorelai goes home, sees the empty garage, and she stares at it sadly while sad-ish Lala's play. Pretty sad ones. Yeah. Lorelai's upset that Luke just, like, kind of snuck in and took the boat from her garage without even, like, talking to her about it. And now it's just sitting outside his diner, sort of like a big billboard announcing their breakup to everybody. Isn't it technically her boat? She did buy it. It's not really her boat, though. I mean, yes, in the eyes of the law it is, yeah. Because she said it cost her a lot of money. She had to buy all the stuff. She also owes him money. It's quite the complicated financial entanglement. Yeah. But I feel like if we're really being real, I don't think Lorelai thinks of it as her boat. Right. But she could sue him for stealing her boat, probably. Yeah. If she was insane, she could do that and could win. She might be insane based on what she does next. (laughs) Also, I want to talk about this garage situation because it does not make sense. She comes home and sees the garage is wide open and the light is on. That is not something Luke would do. I'm sorry. Luke has shown us multiple times in episodes that he's upset when the doors are, like, open anywhere in her house. He's just like, you got to lock your door. You got to make sure you shut your doors. He's just leaving these wide open. I guess there's nothing in there. I, I guess. It just does not seem what something Luke would do. He would definitely lock it and up. And it was after. open anyway because it didn't close all the way with the boat in there. I hear what you're saying. I just do not feel like that's something Luke would do. He would definitely close it after him. Yeah. Luke arrives the next day at school to meet the kids who he'll be helping build sets. One just immediately mentions that his mom is a lesbian, apropos of nothing. He's like, how many lesbians do you know? Luke's like, three, maybe four. I'm waiting for confirmation. (laughs) This is a dumb bit, but it is kind of funny because the kid's like, I like lesbians. And Luke says, yeah, they're swell. (laughs) (laughs) It does feel kind of dated, but it it was pretty It's not like offensive and kids do say stuff like that. Yeah, this kid's like Groot, but he says my mom's a lesbian. It's also very funny that he asked them to find a Phillips head screwdriver and one of them just grabs tape. And a hammer. And he's like, that's a hammer. He's like, is it? What? Damon, that's tape. (laughs) (laughs) 
Carrie is there. Remember Carrie, that girl who like lusts after Luke like you wouldn't believe from high school? Well, no, no, hold on. I should rephrase it. She's not a high schooler <laughs> lusting after Luke. She went to school with Luke. Well, she's there. She's directing the play. She heard about the breakup and she is just like dripping for Luke. I'm sorry that I got to say it like that. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she said those words verbatim. She just like hugs Luke and talks with like a breathy voice. She wants to bang him real bad. She's a sex bot. She's looking for Luke. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Kirk is also there. Of course, Kirk is. He's playing... Okay, we should say they're doing Fiddler on the Roof, and I'm not familiar with Fiddler on the Roof. I'm sure it's really good, so I'm going to get these names wrong. But he's playing uh, Tevya. I haven't seen it either, but I'm familiar with some of the songs. Tevya? Tevya. Tevya. I think that's the main character of the show. Of the... Yeah, it's like a dad. Yeah, and he, he's playing Tevya in a children's play at a school. It's all very funny. He, like, sits with the kids and, like, asks questions with the kids and, like, gets excused to run to go to the potty with the kids. Super funny. And he comes running back and he's like, I'm done. I flushed. And she's like, good job. The school brought him in because the play is hard and his part is particularly hard. And they have had some child leads ruin previous plays. Like last year when they did Jesus Christ Superstar and the second half just didn't have a Christ because the kid had an allergy situation. Which is also very funny in its own right that they were like, "Uh, Jesus just didn't rise again (laughs) for the second half. (laughs) <laughs> they don't say that, but that's like sort of the implication. Like, Jesus died, and then he just did not come back. Again, I haven't seen it, but from what I do know, it seems like a very ambitious children's play. Uh, yeah, Jesus Christ Superstar or this one? Because <laughs> I both. feel like both are like definitely not something kids are going to be putting on. Kirk is funny throughout all of this. At some point, he tells Luke that Luke made his cart too good for his character, who like has a tough life and poor and should have a shitty cart. So Luke just like breaks the wheel for him. <laughs> And Kirk is so excited that it's like impossible to move. He's like, oh, this is impossible to move. Thanks. Luke asks Lulu at some point, like, uh, when are the other adults coming? Uh, He says, like, when are the other tall people coming? Which I thought was funny. He's trying to act like he isn't asking because he wants to see Lorelai. But we all know he wants to see Lorelai bad. Big Lulu episode. Yeah. I think she has more lines in this than she's had combined in other episodes. I believe you. She has a lot of lines in this one. But Luke is getting more and more agitated as the day goes on because no other adults are coming in. So at one point, when one of the kids trips on her costume, Luke like just loses it and then just drives the Lorelai's to scold her for not being there to adjust the costume. He's like, this would not have happened if you had been there. This is clearly some misplaced anger. Lorelai, meanwhile, is in her garage repurposing it to be her like special all her all alone place. I don't fucking know what this is. This is kind of like a stupid subplot. What what is she what is she doing? I had so much beef with this because I was like, what you have a whole house to be alone in. Why would you sit in your garage? Also put your car in your garage. When Luke shows up, he says all of those things. Yeah, as much as like Luke's the crazy one, everything he says there is like, yeah, but all that did make sense. <laughs> it was like everything I had said out loud at the TV, Luke then repeated finally. Yeah, it's like you have a whole house, you live there alone. You don't need to like make a special lady cave or whatever in the garage. Yeah, and Luke is like, park your car and she's like, I don't. Why not? You had to dig it out last winter. Also, it's ugly. <laughs> Yeah, we should mention she's there with Suki. Suki and Michelle were there earlier. When Luke shows up, she's alone. But yeah, earlier, Suki's helping her. Yeah, Suki's helping her. And then Michelle keeps calling to be like, uh, I smell something burning in the kitchen. Oh, I heard something crashing in the kitchen because he wants to be part of this. So he comes and helps and then complains about how he's helping more than anyone else. That was so funny. When he calls, he's like lint rolling casually, like himself. Yeah, he's like lint rolling the, the phone. Yeah. He's like, I heard something in the kitchen. I'm too I busy. Yeah. <laughs> 
And he keeps making like Batman sounds that it could be. Yeah, that was funny because he makes that. And then Suki's like, apparently Batman's breaking in the end. That's funny. But then he comes over to help stencil. Yeah, he's got special stencils that are in the family. The garage is now painted blue on the bottom, yeah, what the pink on the top. What the fuck is going like, on? This is probably Luke's biggest bright issue. Bright colors. The stencils Michelle are putting on are like a red. I recently saw on Facebook someone had posted photos that they went on a tour of the WB lot. Yeah. And the stencils are still there. Wow, they really are family heirlooms, I guess. But there's also like a glitter border between the two colors. It's it's too much. It's too much. And when Luke shows up, she's like adding flowers to it. Yeah, I don't know. Like you needed that. What? She's not an interior designer. When Luke shows up, he just immediately goes off on her for not being at the play. It's actually pretty funny because he gives it like a ton of specifics about the play while he's yelling. He's like, Yenta tripped as she was just heading out to tell Avram about Ruckle. She completely blew her entrance and then they had to reset the goats. (laughs) (laughs) He was so upset about resetting the goats. Yeah, Lorelai also knew stuff about the play that she was like responding with too. And he's like, we're not not doing doing a a bit. (laughs) (laughs) This scene was both funny and sad because Lauren Graham is a fucking fantastic actress. And you can feel her emotions, and it's like a great, like, a mixture of emotions that you, like, can feel and you know you felt before. Because when he shows up, she's like, hey, Luke, why are you here? And it's like a sad, why are you here? Because it's not going to be good. She knows it's not. But there's, like, a hint of, like, maybe it'll be good. It's just for, like, one line. Like, hey, Luke. And then he, like, cuts her off. But I feel like you feel her being like, why are you here? We know we're broken up, but I feel like maybe it's a good thing. Yeah. It's not. He's upset. Like you said, he's like, what the hell are you doing out here? Which one isn't his fucking business. She can do whatever she wants in a garage. But you are right about all the criticisms you had. (laughs) She does explain to Luke, like, I'm not mad that you took the boat. It's your boat. I'm mad in the way you did it. And I'm mad that it's like a big billboard announcing our breakup to everybody. But she's like, whatever. I'm not upset. We're broken up. And then she walks away. And then Luke is like sad. Luke freaking out about how unacceptable this girl's costume was. was such a Luke thing. Just like such a obnoxious freak out over something tiny. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't really what he's upset about. I know. It was clearly just a ruse, yeah. but it, it felt very him. We also need to talk about her costume design for a second, okay? Because at the beginning of the episode, she gets a bunch of Santa beards that she's going to dye with tea to make into like old Jewish man beards, I guess, for the play. I was like, okay, that. T's going to make them whatever. And then later at the play, we see the kids wearing beards. These are not Santa beards. These are just regular professional beards. Like, they definitely not dyed Santa beards. Yeah, these are not tea dyed beards. No, they're not even Santa beards. These are just... They got thicker. <laughs> yeah, it's just totally different beards. What kind of tea is that? It's a heavy tea, Lorelai. Also, when this girl trips, Kirk's like, come on, I was feeling it. <laughs> And when Luke freaks out, too, and, like, leaves the stage in a huff, Kirk says to the girl, like, he takes his job really seriously. Like, just look at this wagon. <laughs> <laughs> so at the play, Luke and Lorelai are both backstage watching the play and helping with props and also awkwardly glancing at each other back and forth until Carrie comes over and then sort of, like, grabs Luke's hand. He, like, shakes her off and he's like, I have a hammer. And she says, oh, I know you do. And then gives Lorelai the stink eye. Lorelai and Luke just keep glancing at each other during the entire play, but specifically during a musical number about a married couple who are in love, despite the fact that maybe they didn't know they were in love and it doesn't change anything, but they are in love and it's good to know. I do know what this song is about. Okay. Well, I, I think it was like, I don't know, so forgive me if I'm wrong, audience, but I had a coworker that was in the Yiddish production of Fiddler on the Roof mm-hmm. in New York, and I watched a, a video of her singing it one time. I think it was like an arranged marriage situation. Right. That's what I gathered. Or at least a not love situation. 
you know, they got married young or whatever because they had to. And he's like literally asking if she loves him because they've been together for like 25 years and they've never really said it. So they, in the song, they kind of admit that they do, even though it's not really ever something they would have needed to talk about. Yeah. And it says that like it doesn't really matter. It doesn't change anything, but it's nice to know. Yeah, it's sweet. And it's uh, very funny that it's being sung by Kurt I know. and a little girl playing a middle-aged woman. <laughs> yeah, 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 I love that the She's audience great. is like, this is fine. This is, <laughs> this is what I'm here for. The little girl's so good, too. And it made me wonder about if the lyrics weren't important because it was like, I love you, you love me, we know this, but it doesn't change anything. And I wondered if the song wasn't like speaking to them like they wanted to make up or if it wasn't saying like the hurt and the betrayal is still there. So the fact that I love you and I know you love me doesn't change the fact that that's there. Yeah. I mean, it's a different context in the song. I agree, but, but just those lyrics, though, yeah. I feel like were what we heard. So Yeah. Luke and Lorelai also, I don't think, have said that they love each other, that we've seen. Yeah. I mean, are you pretending that Luke doesn't love Lorelai? I mean, whose face does he see? Probably Kirk's uh, at this point. He's, he's all in. He's, he's got weird, weird um, phrases to say, <laughs> but he does love her. Do you think during sex he ever says that? I see your face! I'm all in! <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> we set the goats! Okay, um... <laughs> That's the end of their story for this episode. It ends with clearly they're both in love with each other, but there's friction. I feel like this is like an apology away from breaking up, man. I just really. From breaking up. No, I meant from getting back together. <laughs> if Luke hears one more <laughs> goddamn apology, it is over. But meanwhile, we've got another story, and that's Rory's. Obviously, Rory saw Marty act a little weird and kind of avoid her earlier in the episode. So later, when she's at the paper and Doyle is making a speech about whatever, she sees Marty outside and like runs outside to go talk to him. Doyle's all like, hey, I'm talking. And she's like, yeah, I don't care. And she like goes outside and catches Marty while he gets some coffee. Glenn was very funny in that scene. Yeah, he's like, you're like my mother. And keeps having comparisons to how he sounds like his mother. Doyle. Yes, not Marty to the window. <laughs> not Rory. Rory goes outside, catches Marty. And then she sort of like kind of follows him around a little bit and like is trying to rekindle their friendship. She's like, oh, what's been going on? You've been working a lot. You've been studying a lot. That must be why we haven't been hanging out. She's kind of feeding him excuses and, like, saying all this stuff. Like a journalist. Yeah. Well, no, journalists listen. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking of, like, interviewers often, like, give people answer options, I think. No, but a journalist should be, like, kind of silent. You tell me. In fact, a good thing yeah. about journalism is being awkwardly silent so people feel like they have to fill that void with something mm. and they'll admit something they shouldn't have said. I feel like I'm thinking of, like, 60-minute interview type people okay. where it's, like... And you would say you felt lonely, and then the person repeats back, like, yes, I felt lonely. And you, you know would say I mean? that our friendship is uh, moving forward. <laughs> so she goes on to say, we haven't seen each other in a long time, and I miss you. I miss you a lot. Then she starts just, like, rapidly monologuing about how they should be having a hangout night and watch the Marx Brothers movies, and then she just bulldozes past his objections and, like, his attempts to interject during this and says it should be just them together, and then asks him, like, please, please, can we take this, like, you and me night? And so then Marty, like, reluctantly agrees. Rory says, great, and then hugs him. I have a lot of opinions about Rory and Marty in this episode. But even right here, it's, it's, it's weird. She's, like, begging him to hang out, just the two of them, which is a little weird. She also is like, you having a manly cup of coffee, which is a little weird. I just feel like there's any of these things by themselves aren't that weird. But altogether, they seem a little weird to me. Later, when Rory's preparing for him to come over, she sees that Doyle is already at her dorm waiting for Paris to arrive. And then she's like, you got to go. He, by the way, is complaining about how she left during his, like, editor speech. And she's got to find a way to, like, separate her personal life from her work life. All the while, he's, like, literally pulling pebbles off his foot on his sock and, like, setting them on the table. I thought that was so funny. So gross, too. 
Yeah, it's a very fun juxtaposition. Yeah, and she's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get out of here. You were eating my chips. You're putting your pebbles on my tables. You need to leave. So he goes. Paris is mad about that. She comes back very upset that she's got to go to his place now where she hates everybody. She's got to bring her own toilet paper. You know Paris. She's angry. Rory goes all out for this, like, Marty movie marathon. She has, okay, I need to say this real quick. On my phone, I got tired every time I wanted to say the word fuck. It would change it to duck. For the longest time, phones did that. I think they still do. So I, like, trained my phone to, like, if the word duck is ever said, I meant fuck. Change it to fuck. The reason that's important is because all of my devices are used the same, like, Mac software. And they all learned that I never want to say duck. So despite my best efforts, my notes say fuck soup a bunch. <laughs> I can't, I literally can't type duck soup. So she's got all kinds of Marx Brothers posters, like fuck soup posters set up on easels. <laughs> and she's got like tons and tons of different pretzels. She's ordered pizza and she's even dressed like Harpo Marx when she answers the door. It's a lot, but it looks kind of fun. Like it's awkward the second he shows up. He shows up, sits down. They don't chat. She's not like, hey, what's up? She's just like, so I should start the movie? And she just starts the movie. And he's like, yeah. Which immediately I'm like, you guys don't want to catch up? They do talk through the movie. So that's part of it. But I feel like they just dive in the movie without like addressing what have you been up to the last like four or five weeks, whatever. How long has it been? I think she like takes a beat and sees he's like not in a chatty mood. So maybe she just figures that'll give them something to talk about. I suppose so. To me, it's like, you need to ask him what's wrong. You either suspect what's wrong, and then I'm a little mad at you, Rory, or you have no idea and you want to know why your friend seems a little weird. Like, why do you seem down? Maybe she's not the best at picking up on stuff like that. Yeah, maybe not. Much later into the marathon, we return to them, and they're getting along. They're discussing Harpo Marx on I Love Lucy. Marty is, like, kind of chatting up a storm here. We should mention that we know that Marty has feelings for Rory, that she does not reciprocate, at least... She has not indicated she has. She's made it very clear that she's into Logan. And Marty, at some point, got fed up with this and didn't want to see Rory anymore. That's why he is not seeing her. Now, she either knows that he's got feelings or suspects that he has feelings and is just trying to be like, let's just be friends without ever addressing the elephant in the room that he has feelings. Or she's just oblivious. And it's it's crazy to me that she doesn't know. It's one or the other. But in this scene, she's like in his lap. She's got her legs over his lap. I just don't think that's how friends ever sit. Yeah, I probably before I had had sex with a guy, I could see not realizing that this is like super flirt. Even I don't know. That's but also like she likes someone else. She's not entangled with someone else. She's not committed to anyone else. But it's like a pretty flirty move. I could see if you were totally single and you weren't into the guy that being kind of okay. Wait, so you're single and you're not into the guy. Why would that be okay? More okay than her knowing she's into another guy, giving Marty any kind of signal. Well, I think that for me, Logan has made it clear that there's no strings attached. Yeah. So if she wants to fool around with Marty, she can. That's It's clear that she is allowed to fool around with Marty. And if that's the case, that's fine. But I don't think that is the case. I feel like she doesn't want anything to do with Marty. And yeah. so then it's like, okay, well, this sort of is leading Marty on or is at least making Marty uncomfortable. And yes, you could argue that she's unaware. They're just super close friends. But like, I just honestly, I don't know friends that do this, that are just friends. Yeah, I think it, my point was like, if she didn't absolutely have feelings for someone else, maybe she'd be more open to the possibility of Marty eventually. But she's like already made the decision that Marty's not happening. Right. 
That's what I think I was trying to say before. I do feel like sometimes girls might do this, but I do feel like when that's the case, it's when they're younger and they don't really care that they're stringing someone around along. Yeah. Like that type of girl that's like, I know he likes me and I can sort of do whatever I want. That's not most girls, but there are some like that. But that's not Rory. Yeah, I don't feel like I think I think it's maybe just a weird direction choice. Yeah. Because it seems like it's trying to say something. And I, may, I think they were just trying to show like they're comfortable now. Yeah, I think so, too. But it just seemed too comfortable. Yeah, it, it's like it's a mistake in the, the direction or the writing. Yeah. And not like they're trying to say something with it. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's super weird. I don't know. I just It really bothered me because this whole episode is her being like letting him down. But like then you have this moment where it's like, well, what is that? I don't do that with any of my friends that you know of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're to believe that she's like leading him on. I think she does legit want to be his friend. Totally. That's what I believe. I don't know how we're supposed to feel. Do we? Are we supposed to feel that Rory doesn't know? Or that Rory just hopes that it'll go away? Could be either. She might just sort of be in denial. Yeah. Like she wants them to be friends. And since he hasn't outright said it, she's like choosing not to confirm that he does like her, even if she suspects. Right. I just feel like Rory in general is a really sensitive person. And like doesn't want to hurt the people she cares about. It just seems, I don't know. Well, Logan shows up. He just got back from his trip and wants to take her out for Chinese food. She initially says she can't, but then Logan sees Marty and is like, well, Marty can come. He does remember Marty's name to his credit this time. Rory tells Marty that they don't have to go, but it's clear to everyone, to us, to Logan and Marty, that she definitely wants to go. So Marty's like, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go. It's just going to be fun. Let's go. So they go out to eat. Everyone's playing nice, but you can see that, like, it's weird for Marty. He doesn't, like, really get the rich kids. Like, they're talking about stuff that it's just like a world that's all alien to him. They're like, they went to boarding school and he's like, oh, that must have been hard. They're like, hard? It was great. And they're like, well, didn't you miss your family? He's like, miss our family? What? That's an insane thing to say. They aren't being mean, but it's, they just yeah, aren't connecting. I feel like it's it's played like, whoa, what a stupid thing Marty said. But I don't think they are being mean, I think. No, I don't think so either. He just can't relate to having a family he doesn't like, which maybe he should. His family seems fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> But also, I, I do feel like it isn't meant to be mean, but I do feel like it is sort of portray the rich kids a little shitty. Like, they're like, what? Love a family. That was Colin specifically. I feel like Logan is actually very cool to Marty this whole episode. I agree to you. Uh, I agree to you. Thank you. Uh, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But he's also putting on a show for Rory. Yeah. But I 100% agree that he is really cool to Marty in this episode. There's a reused actress in this scene. Oh, who? The blonde girl that's not eating. Juliet, she is one of the students when Lorelai gives oh, the right. speech about the totally. inn and the kids want to ask about pregnancy. She's also a little famous. She's in a band called Garfunkel, Garfunkel and Oates. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, Logan is being pretty cool here. But then Marty gets uncomfortable with the conversation and also because Logan just starts very weirdly touching Rory's hair. I was it's like, so weird. What is happening? They are dating. It wasn't like weird and like, how could you do that? Like Rory doesn't seem to have a problem with it, but it's like, who does that? This, you wouldn't do this to me in this no. setting. No. I, this is like a very specific behavior for like a boyfriend, girlfriend that have been dating for like a month. They're not, they haven't been on a date. So it feels weird that he's like, this is my woman. I'm going to touch her hair. In like a group setting, it's not like a date. And it feels like he doesn't want to do it. It feels like the director was like, could you touch her hair a little? He's like, what? You want me to, what? Why would I do that? Yeah, and then Rory, in this scene with Marty, put your legs on his lap. Why? Why are we doing this? Just, just do it. Just do it. Have you been in a relationship? Yes, I have. How do you say that? She was uh, great. We had sex. It was fine. She wasn't just for sex. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't a robot. It was Warren. <laughs> 
Yeah, I didn't like I didn't like the hair play. It felt forced sexiness. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it wasn't like what the fuck is that? It was just sort of like okay, weird. I think what we needed to see instead was like him grabbing her leg under the table or something, just to show us like or they want to touch. Put her his arm around her. Yeah, that touch her shoulder. Like, yeah, it felt like. He didn't know where to put his hand. Yeah, they just kept the shot. He was like reaching for his shoulder, couldn't find it. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm playing with her hair. Yeah, I'm playing with her hair. That's the thing. Well, when the check comes, Logan tells Roy that he's got her. Because Colin just announces that they're splitting it. Yeah. $75 each, which yep. this is a shitty situation. Yep. Is the girl who didn't eat paying $75? Yeah, she may be, but she's rich. I mean, I feel like yeah. she doesn't care. You know what I mean? But we've all been in this situation where we ate a couple bites and we're splitting the check. Yeah. Marty literally has $18 to his name. And he's all like, oh, do I have enough? To be fair, though, Logan is pretty cool here. He's like, oh, hey, don't sweat it, man. I can cover you, too. I invited you. It's my treat. Like, he's pretty cool. And he says it in a way that's not like you're poor. He, I think he genuinely seems like, no, I can take care of this. I kind of put you in this situation. Yeah. But obviously, there's also pride involved here for Marty. And so he's like, no, I just got to go to ATM. And he runs outside and Rory goes after him. And it becomes clear he, he's not going to ATM. He's got no money. He's just standing there kind of frozen, doesn't know what to do. So Rory, like, makes him take her money and is like, you can pay with this. So that way he can save face in front of the rich kids. Rory had a lot of cash on her. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's true. She seems to have a lot of money suddenly, even though Paris mentioned that she doesn't have a job anymore. She doesn't have money. She, like, ordered a lot of pretzels and a lot of pizza. Don't question the money rules. This doesn't make sense. Okay. But she also, like, says to Marty, like, hey, after this, you and I can hang out. Do something. Let's go back to the dorm together. And he's like, cool, cool. Uh, I do want to mention real quick that the guys wanted to go to a bar called the Alligator Lounge, which is a place I do comedy at. Not It's obviously a different place, but there's a place in Brooklyn called the Alligator Lounge. I just did a show there. Yeah, that's where aforementioned show was. Yeah. So Marty and Rory are heading back to her dorm. And on the way home, she asks him to come in and watch a few more movies. But Marty finally is like, I got to get this off my chest. And he's like, I want to be more than friends. And Rory says, I like Logan. Marty isn't surprised. She's all like, I don't know why. And he's like, I could think of some reasons. And I'm like, yeah, I could think of like a bunch of reasons. Uh, yeah. Why is anyone into that gorgeous sex bot? I can't think of any reasons why. Are you comparing it to Buffy or are you saying Logan's a gorgeous sex bot? I was comparing it to Buffy, but he he's a rich sex bot. I mean, that guy is something else. Mm, okay. Rory then pretty much like begs him to stay her friend. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she like kind of begs him to watch Fuck Soup again. And he's like, no, <laughs> I can't watch Fuck Soup right now. I don't want to watch Fuck Soup right now. <laughs> I really like Fuck Soup, but I... <laughs> don't want to associate Fuck Soup with this feeling. And she's like, I understand. Fuck, fuck Soup. soup. <laughs> <laughs> I, every time, it, kept, it took me a minute to realize why. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so he, like, slowly walks away. And he's like, I'm going to pay you back for what you gave me. And she's like, you got it, and walks away. And it's kind of sad. It's kind of nice. I feel like I like that we explored this thing. I, women have to deal with this a lot. I mean, men do too, but I feel like there's definitely the like guy who wants the girl and at some point she's got to tell him it's not happening. It happens the other way too, but I feel like men will just hang on forever and be like, no, I'm your friend, I'm your friend, but maybe I love you. You put your feet on my lap? Yeah. We, I, we've already asked the question, did Rory suspect? If so, why are you putting your legs on his lap? If you didn't expect this, then I don't know. Later that night though, Logan shows up via the window. He comes into her room that way. He says he just wanted to make sure she got home okay. And he didn't get a chance to say a proper goodnight to her. So he kisses her and then says goodnight, Ace. But then horny-ass Rory says, I thought you said a proper goodnight and starts taking his clothes off. Ooh. 
They move to the bed. Logan's like, do you want me to go, Rory? Do you want me to go? And she's like, no. She clearly doesn't. I don't know why he's asking. Yeah, I could see maybe one ask, but it's like, you got consent, man. All lights are green right now. Like, do you want to go? Yeah, and then when she finally says, like, no, I don't want you to go the second time, he's like, good, because if you thought climbing in that window was hard, and she's like, shush, and then they bang. It's a highly debated topic if he meant his dick was hard or getting out of the window would be hard. Both work. I feel like he emphasizes it not in the dick way, but it might have just been like the director correctly telling him that that would be a bit too much. Could be. I, no, the, the guy the who director... directed this episode, no way. That guy would have been like, do the dick thing. Yeah, that's true. Probably should have been the dick thing. So maybe the director made a mistake. No, I feel like I liked it the other way better because it's, it's, it's cla- more classy. Like, because the idea is like, you know, how difficult it would be to leave here with this massive erection and wanting to sleep with you. Like, I like it that way. Yeah, I, I feel like that'd be a little too crude for the end of a Gilmore Girls episode. Even as it was, it was pretty hot for the end of a Gilmore Girl episode. Yeah. And the implication that it could be the dick way is definitely there. Yes, it's floating there. But Roar being like, I thought you said proper goodbye. I was like, okay, where's Gilmore Girls going? I'm going to watch this when Stacey's not home. It was sexy. Gilmore Girls is not just for sex. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we all know that. Nobody thought it was. But we don't really see Rory act this way. When she was with Dean, there was like, we knew that sex was involved. But it was a little like, it was very PG, I feel like. This was like. Nah, we boning because I like the ribs on that condom. <laughs> like, maybe not that crass. It was cute, though. Like, they made, like, jokes about her. He's like, do you want to slip into something more comfortable? But she's, like, in pajamas. <laughs> she's, like, more comfortable than this. <laughs> I didn't even really get that line. Did he mean, like, something sexy or, like? Yeah, I wasn't sure either if he was making fun of the fact that she was already wearing pajamas or. She wasn't wearing pajamas, though. I think she was. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's pretty comfortable, is the idea. It's not. It's like sweats and stuff. Anyway, Stacy, did you think this was a good episode? I did. Yeah. It's not the best episode ever, but the Luke and Lorelai stuff was really cute. Like them dealing with their relationship through the play. Kirk being in that play is hilarious. I liked the Rory and Logan moments. Like that last scene was sexy and cute and interesting. Yeah. For the show. I mean, it was like a different side of Rory. Right. And I, I enjoyed what they did with Marty and Rory. In the back half of the show, mm-hmm. we talked about how it was a little weird, how she was like insisting on this friendship, but like, why? We, we haven't seen their friendship that much. Like, what does she like so much about Marty? She doesn't really have any other friends at college. Paris isn't like a really fun friend, you know? Yeah. So maybe it, she just is trying to hold on to that. I, I don't know. But yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I don't think it was an exceptional episode, but it was it was fine. It was definitely funny. I feel like it's not a bad one. Gilmore Girls... It's, I don't know that there's been a bad one in a long, long, long time. So The garage thing was kind of weird. The boat thing was whatever. The, yeah. But yeah, I liked the ending with Roy and Logan, and I really liked the all the Fiddler on the Roof stuff. Yeah. But Brian, which episode do you think was better? I think Buffy was better, honestly. I did too. Fine Gilmore didn't blow me away. You absolutely are right. Those last few minutes were really good, and there were some funny moments, but I just feel like Buffy was the better one overall this time. I didn't necessarily expect to like that Buffy, but I, I know, right? I, I really did. I also didn't know it was going to end that way. Yeah. I kind of had taken from a lot of clues over time that Joyce dies eventually. Okay. And I've seen an image of her dead on a couch. 
So I didn't know that necessarily meant she was dead, but just based on things I've heard, I assumed that she dies at some point. Then she gets cancer this season, which indicates that something's going to happen to her. Yeah. And I knew that the next episode is called The Body, and I had kind of assumed that that had something to do with that image I'd seen. Yeah. But I didn't know that this episode would end that way. Yeah. I thought that would all be contained in the next one if that was true. So that was a bit of a shock. and That was a cool ending in like a mostly silly-ish episode. It's silly and it's not. Like the the monster itself is silly, but the subject matter was pretty serious. Yeah. It was good. It was a clever one. I liked it. I think we should mention something real quick, though. I know a lot of people don't always agree with what we choose for which episode. Some people are really adamant about like, no, this episode was the best or this one was better. It's totally fine to disagree with us. Our decisions about which one was better are not objective. They're totally subjective. Maybe something resonated with our life experience that doesn't resonate with your life experience. Maybe something resonates with your life experience. We don't have one that resonates with us. So don't have to take it personal if you don't like how we picked one. Yeah, that's all very silly. We keep track of it, but it, it doesn't. In the end, we are loving both shows. We're loving both shows. And even if one episode is better than a different one, that doesn't mean that the season's better or anything like that. Yeah, and we, we do do the math just kind of for fun, but it, I'm not really that worried about the math in the end. Yeah, and you know, if you loved Triangle and we didn't, that's fine. It doesn't matter. We're just talking about how we felt about something. It's also hard to compare the shows. since They are very similar, but they're also quite different genres, so it's, it's hard very to... Very different. Sometimes Buffy is trying to do all kinds of stuff that Gilmore isn't, and maybe not everything fires on all cylinders because they're trying so many different things. And Gilmore doesn't try as many things, but everything they do try hits perfect. Yeah. So then it's sort of like, oh, it's not really fair to compare them, but we're just telling you which of those two we liked. And maybe that Gilmore was better because it just seemed more polished, even though that Buffy was trying to lift so much more weight, you know? Sometimes it's clear which episode was a better episode, like just the way that they fall. You know, sometimes it's the hundredth episode of a show and it's just a random episode of the other. So one's going to be better than the other. Yeah. But for me, if it's close, I usually just come down to like, which one I had a more enjoyable experience watching. And that doesn't necessarily mean it was funnier or more uplifting. It just means yeah. which which one was like a better hour of television that made me feel emotions of any type. Yeah. So anyway, we just want, I know some people just take it very seriously about which one we pick. This is sort of just like a silly thing we do. And we play like we're being competitive. But like at the end of the day, we've already said it. We love both shows a lot. So yeah, I feel like we set out on this not knowing how we would feel about each other's shows. But we we really do look forward to watching both and are enjoying both shows. And I look forward to watching both equally. Speaking of which. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 16. So, good talk. As well as Buff the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 16, The Body. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, was Rory's lap thing weird? Or is that something that no one else was bothered by? Does Rory know that Marty's into her? Or is she oblivious? Do you think Warren used that robot for anything besides sex? How was it charging itself? Yeah, what was going on with that girl's batteries? What is your explanation for evil scientist stuff happening on the Hellmouth? What play would you like to see the Stars Hollow Elementary School do next year? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer. 
where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash brianandstacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live-streamed watch parties at Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to all of our new Patreon subscribers, Samantha Pettibone, Christopher Matthews, Nicholas Bauer, and Emma Walton. Thank you. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacey. And if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode descriptions or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. I kind of want to watch something. What? Fuck soup. Brian, are you trying to say duck soup? Yes. Has the program moved to your brain? I've been saying fuck soup. I, uh, there it is again. <laughs> we the gotta go. Fucks we gotta go quack. Go. Fucks go quack. <laughs> anyway. We could watch The Mighty Fucks. <laughs> Lauren yeah, Graham. I'd love to see Lauren Graham and The Mighty Fucks. Mighty Fucks Game Changers. Game Changers. Bye.